Navigating the travel world doesn't have to be complicated. Whether you want to hack your points and miles, figure out where to travel next, or you just need advice on an ethical dilemma. I'm Aislinn Green, host of Unpacked by Afar. And in the brand new season, we are unpacking the most captivating and challenging topics in the travel industry, one conversation at a time. Topics like the sexiness of travel insurance and the perils of quote unquote bad tourism, and even the secrets to flying with children and not losing your mind in the process. Listen to Unpacked by Afar wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. The Beothic people are well-known in Newfoundland and Labrador. Throughout the years, they have been written about as an extinct Indigenous nation, whose numbers were few at the time of European contact, and by 1828, were all gone. But for one woman named Shauna Dithit. She is now known as the last Beothic, but was she? Or is the lore behind her life and death one of the stories that Canada loves to tell itself? The myth that Indigenous people are no longer here. This is The Secret Life of Canada, a podcast about the country you know and the stories you don't. Hey, Leah. Hey, Fallon. So we're going to keep things in the East Coast for this episode. For those of you who listen to the show in order, uh, we were just in Halifax learning about the rich history of the Donaire. <laughs> and yeah, you see what I did there? <laughs> So we're going to go to Newfoundland and try to learn more about the Beothic people and who Shauna Dithit was. I know we say this about every episode, but we have had a lot of emails asking us to do uh, something about Shauna Dithit. And I have to say it's been a fascinating story to read because I feel like all of the things that I've been reading have a kind of unfortunate Hollywood Last of the Mohicans vibe to them. Yes, definitely. Um, Last of the Mohicans, for those of you who don't know, is a movie based on a 1700s romance novel. And the movie stars Daniel Day-Lewis. Which is the first red flag. Yeah, turns out, turns out he can't do everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's um, why he's retired. Didn't he retire? That's probably I don't why know. he retired. I, don't, I think I he don't retired. Know. Yeah, well, so the movie, it's, um, it's about a supposed few last remaining Indigenous people. And for some reason, Daniel Day-Lewis, who, you know, lives with them as well. They all get killed off except for one Indigenous man. Great spirit and the maker of all life. A warrior goes to you swift and straight as an arrow shot into the sun. Welcome him and let him take his place at the council fire of my people. He is Uncas, my son. Tell him to be patient and ask death for speed. For they are all there but one. I, Tengitschka. Last of the Mohicans. So that ending is an indigenous man standing at the edge of a mountain with Daniel Day-Lewis and Madeline Stowe for some reason. And our resident historian on the show, Andrea, brought up a really good point that this film actually combines the two big myths. Uh, white man goes, quote unquote, native and the other one is the kidnapped white woman 
you know, she said, you know, in both instances, the white person assimilates into the indigenous culture and finds it superior and then are very reluctant to return to European society and almost always end up teaching other white people some big lesson that they learned. And so, you know, thank goodness Daniel Day-Lewis and Madeline Stowe make it out alive. What a big surprise. Well, of course, Madeline. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Madeline Stowe would live, right? Like, Of course. Of yes. course. But in the real world, uh, the Stockbridge Muncie band of Mohican Indians, they are alive and well. But yeah, you know, that is a longstanding mythic tale, the myth of disappearing indigenous people and one that is really taken hold when you read about the Beothic people. So let's talk about the most common story of the Beothic and Shauna Dithit. Right. So if you look up the Beothic on the Canadian Encyclopedia, it starts with Beothic, meaning the people or true people in their language, were the now extinct inhabitants of Newfoundland. At the time of European contact, they may have numbered no more than 500 to 1,000. Their population is difficult to estimate owing to a reduction in their territories in the early contact period and the absence of surviving documentation. So now based on the emails that people have sent us, I think this is the common belief because many people ask us about the disappearance of the Beothic. Um, the thought that is after contact, they were all decimated or, you know, disappeared. Yes, and here is a bit on Shauna Dithit, also from the Canadian Encyclopedia. Shauna Dithit, also known as Nance or Nancy April, the last Beothic, born circa 1800 in what is now Newfoundland, died 6th of June 1829 in St. John's, Newfoundland. Shauna Dithit's record of Beothic culture continues to shape modern understandings of her people. So that, too, is also the wide-held belief about her, that she, she was the last. You know, she died in her 20s. And just FYI, we're not picking mm -hmm. on Canadian Encyclopedia here because these articles are very long, actually, and they have a much more detailed, nuanced account of it. But these intros, I think, are just good examples of how, you know, the kind of standard kind of information you'll find about this with a quick Google search. Yeah. But, you know, there are many Indigenous and non-Indigenous scholars, historians, and artists that maintain that this is a Western romanticization of what may have happened. Well, it's, uh, you know, this is the ever the, the challenge in Indigenous country is the population wants to think of us as beads and buckskin. The population wants to think of us as a disappeared people. And, you know, valorizing Shauna Dithit makes that easier. It's like, oh, yeah, too bad. You know, the last of the Beothic people. Now there are no Indigenous people. When in reality, we are everywhere and we are doing everything. Um, My name is Yvette Nolan. My people are from Kitaganzi B. Algonquin First Nation. My father is Irish off the boat, um, and I am a playwright, director, dramaturge, and apparently librettist. So, obviously, we needed to talk to Yvette about this. <laughs> if you listen to our credits, and you should, go all the way to the end, <laughs> yeah. people. Don't do that um, thing. Don't you do that thing. Don't, you? <laughs> do not stop at the at what you think is the end. Anyway, Yvette Nolan is our story editor. We've known Yvette for 
for a really long time. Yes. We've we've known Yvette for, for a very long time. Really long time. In 2019, Yvette wrote the libretto for an opera about Shauna Dithit. You called her up to see what she learned about the Beothic people and Shauna Dithit in the process of making that show. I did. I did. The The show that she was working on was co-produced by Tapestry Opera in Toronto and Opera on the Avalon in Newfoundland. And Yvette and composer Dean Burry spent a long time researching the Beothic. So she knows so much. But the first thing I actually wanted to know was what she knew about this story before they started researching. Well, Leah... <laughs> Canada, a people's history. Do you remember that series from on the CBC back in the day? The very opening shot was of Shauna Dithit, the last of the Beothics. So it is part of the Canadian sort of mythology, right? She was a scullery maid in the Newfoundland outport of Exploits Bay, but she held the key to a great mystery. She had been found lost and starving in the winter woods. Her family was dead. The white people gave her shelter and nursed her back to health. The settlers named her Nancy, but she called herself Shauna Divitt. They knew she was a Beothic Indian, but nothing more. Where were the rest of her people? The Beothic had always been mysterious. The early European fishermen called them the Red Indians because they painted masks of ochre on their faces. But when the first white settlers came to Newfoundland, the Beothic moved deep into the interior away from the newcomers. For decades, there was hardly any contact. Then Shauna Dithit was found. It was as if Shauna Dithit had stumbled out of a land of ghosts. Yeah, like everybody else on this land that we currently call Canada, we I received the same history, which was the Beothic were the people of Newfoundland who were exterminated by colonization first to go now when we did the story about shauna Dithit, we talked to a lot of because there are no beothic elders no beothic um knowledge keepers because of this story of how the beothic have disappeared the closest relation we had was the mi'kmaq people both the mi'kmaq people of newfoundland and the mi'kmaq people in the atlantic provinces and we brought a lot of those artists on to the project and they maintain that that the Beothic bloodline goes on because the Mi'kmaq and the Beothic intermarried, um, were trading partners, lived next door to each other and 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 because part of the story is when Shauna Dithic got split off from her people, some of them went around the lake and continued on and we don't know where those people went to. A big part of this story is really about how the Beothic were written about versus the oral accounts of what may have happened to them. We'll look into that after the break. Navigating the travel world doesn't have to be complicated. Whether you want to hack your points in miles, figure out where to travel next 
or you just need advice on an ethical dilemma. I'm Aislinn Green, host of Unpacked by Afar. And in the brand new season, we are unpacking the most captivating and challenging topics in the travel industry, one conversation at a time. Topics like the sexiness of travel insurance and the perils of quote-unquote bad tourism, and even the secrets to flying with children and not losing your mind in the process. Listen to Unpacked by Afar wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so let's talk about the complexities of this story. This is the complicated thing about history and the thing that we keep coming back to on this show, you know, that there are many types of historical accounts, oral and written. And often in Canadian contexts, the written seems to overshadow the oral stories, which is an Indigenous way of record keeping. Right. And when it comes to Shauna Dithit and the Beothic, a lot of the earliest writings are by European men. There was this guy named William Cormack who ended up writing a lot about the Beothic, and he was very determined to find them or find out what had happened to them. And this research method that he was doing is now known as salvage ethnography. So this method It revolves really around the idea that Indigenous peoples were going extinct, and so it was up to the white people to preserve as much of the knowledge and their their way of life as possible. It's very problematic, obviously, but it's also complicated now by the fact that some of these records are now very valuable pieces in recovering histories, but they're only one part of the puzzle, right? It's, It's good to remember who wrote it and who was documenting this. Avat recommended this great book called Tracing Ochre, Changing Perspectives on the Beothic. Uh, it has writings from both Indigenous and non-Indigenous scholars, and it goes beyond the main story we have all heard. In it, they found that Shauna Dithit's mother and two of her siblings were killed in 1818. A year later, she watched her uncle get killed and her aunt kidnapped. Mm-hmm. She was also shot at and injured twice, and all of this may have forced her relationship with Europeans so that she could decrease the harm that had come to her and her family. Eventually, she and another sister and her adoptive mother were captured, and only Shauna Dithit survived and then was made to live as a maid to a settler family. She was forced to work as a servant for the next several years until 1828, when she was sent to St. John's by the Beothic Institute. This was an organization set up by William Cormack. He wanted to find out more about the Beothic and establish good relationships, and he was under the assumption that she was the last Beothic. This goes back to the idea of salvage ethnography you were talking about. And so he moved her into his house so he could document what she remembered. It's hard, right? All of the writing we have about her is from the the European gaze. And we have some of that writing from the period. But of course, a man in 1822 is different from a man in, you know, 2022. William Cormack had this one Indigenous woman in his care and couldn't find anyone else. She must be the last Beothic. And the whole purpose of his exploration was to come back to St. John's and start the Beothic Institute, where he would hold all of this knowledge. But he didn't find anybody. You know, tales told are like they didn't want anything to do with the white folks anyway. And so they just kept moving out of the way. And why would they? The colonizers were killing the indigenous folks for all the usual reasons. So no wonder the Beothic people were trying to get 
get out of, you know, the rapidly colonizing St. John's, Newfoundland. Like Yvette said, there are Mi'kmaq people who maintain there was intermarriage. There are accounts of other people talking about their Beothic relatives or parents years after Shauna Dithit's passing. There is also an account in the book I mentioned that says that Cormac hired a Mi'kmaq guide to find the Beothic, and the Mi'kmaq oral history suggests Cormac may have been led away from the Beothic people on purpose. And I think at some point she... You know, she may even have been like, I'm not I'm I'm not going back out there because I don't want to lead the, the white guys to my people. I mean, I'm sure she could find them. She seemed to be quite the wayfinder with her maps and everything. But she was also sick. You know, she had tuberculosis. She didn't live very long. But I think I think that there are of course there's still the Othic bloodline that goes on. And then who knows what happened to those people who went around the lake? Like, if you don't want to be found, maybe, you know, we always, Indigenous people have always merged with other groups in order to keep our, in order to keep ourselves surviving. We have, we've always done that. We've always joined with other groups. And that could well have happened to those, those Beothics who went around the lake and left Shana Divid behind. And speaking of what she left behind. Yeah, it's actually incredible. You can you can find all her sketches and maps online. Um, I really took to the fact that she drew both the really complicated things, like these complex maps, but also the simple everyday things like what the cups look like that they used, mm-hmm. you know, how the buckets for water were constructed, things like that. Mm-hmm. I asked Yvette which one stood out for her. All of them. I mean, I there's so few of them, and I was so profoundly involved in them. What's amazing about them is she drew maps of her territory as if she were a bird. And so she drew a map of a lake, and then she drew all the people in, like, this is the where my people were going, and this is the white man following them, and this is where this this these women were killed, and this is where they went. She drew it, but there's astonishing to me how did she how could she see that from the ground it's not like she had a drone it's not like the trees were tall enough but she could see the whole picture in her mind's eye which that is astonishing to me Shauna Dith at the Opera premiered in 2019. Marion Newman, who is Coagula, Stolo, English, Irish, and Scottish, played the lead role in that production. Marion actually hosts Saturday Afternoon at the Opera on CBC Music. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a beautiful collaboration between Indigenous and Canadian artists to give voice to Shauna Dithit. The looking back at Shauna Dithit, I don't want to disappear her. It, the whole opera was made to make her reappear, to keep her in, but to keep her in our minds as a living, breathing person and not a statue, um, not someone who was silent, not someone who was without agency, but as someone who lived, who had family, who made choices, who made art. That was the purpose of the opera. And I think, I think if we just try and think of Indigenous people as statues or on horses or in teepees. We can't move forward. And isn't that what we're all talking about right now, moving forward?
And that's a wrap on season four. Thanks to all the people who spoke to us and contributed this year. We could not have done this without you. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. The Secret Life of Canada was recorded in Jotjage, also known as Montreal, the territory of the Ginyakahaga and Toronto, on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit. This episode was written, hosted, and produced by me, Leah Simone Bowen. And me, Phelan Johnson. Research assistance by Andrea Eidinger. Story editing by Yvette Nolan, with mixing and sound design by Braden Alexander. Our digital producer is Roshni Nair, senior producer is Tina Verma, and Arif Narani is the director of CBC Podcasts. Our logo is by Badawogan Illustration and Design. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.